Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's um, Tuesday, I guess. Tuesday morning, and uh, I want to take a look at the Parsha, uh, which is being sponsored, as I mentioned this week, is uh, being sponsored by our good friends, Ed and Mesa Leventhal, in Pennsylvania, memory of Ed's father and mother, Harry B. and Mickey Leventhal. I appreciate it. Happy Hanukkah to all. <clears throat> We're looking at Parsha's Mikates, therefore that's the story of Joseph, which I would say is the quintessential tale of Hashgacha Protis that you find in the book of Bracious, of Genesis, I think, um, because it's more told than anything else. The life story of Yosef is so improbable, and there's so many things that happen in unusual ways that you see it's like, you know, divinely organized. I mean, that that seems to be of shots. Uh, and my attention was drawn to some interesting observations that I noticed this past week when I was looking at Vayeshev and the other things as far as the dramatic rise of Joseph is concerned from uh, slave boy to prime minister of Egypt as we all know so you know Avrech, everybody should bow down to him and all that uh, to the interesting insights of Meshachachma because living this is just my opinion the Mayor Simcha living in uh, Tsarist Russia, which Russia has always been a major place of jails and prisons and stuff like that. I'm serious. Uh, so, uh, he had interesting insights because Yosef ends up in jail. The question is what you do with it. Uh, it's actually fascinating to me. And so, uh, it's always great when you see a different reading of the Hebrew text of the Chumash which the text often admits different readings. The Hebrew language is of that, of that nature. Uh, and I'll tell you what I mean. Uh, I noticed, and you know, that by the time this story unfolds, Joseph is in jail. But as I've said in the past, not Stama jail, because the concept of jail that you and I understand today didn't exist. It's quite modern. It's from the late 18th century. It's one of the Enlightenment projects from the Marquis of Beccaria where uh, the idea was that if somebody does a crime, the punishment consists of depriving him of the liberty and remaining behind bars. The etzim staying in the jail is the punishment. That never was the case throughout history instead, for a whole bunch of reasons. Instead, if somebody committed a crime and the law system had punishments, they would administer the punishment on you, and then you went home. So let's say, for example, you stole something. So depending on which country it is, let's say they could whip you, you know, a hundred times, whatever. They could beat the heck out of you, or, you know, they could, uh, you know, stomp beat you up or something like that. It's all kind of little tortures out there. And then you go home. So in other words, I stole something, 
And then they whipped me a hundred times till I'm all just uh, ripped to shreds. And then I go home. I make it, I make it. I don't make it, I don't make it. Tough luck. That was the attitude. Why should society pay to, to, to give you three meals a day in jail? You know, why should they do that? Uh, plus, they wanted to see an actual punishment perpetrated upon the uh, body of the, uh, what do you call it, of the perpetrator of the, of the criminal. That's Foucault's famous book of Discipline and Punish. The only time you ever, so you never had such a thing as somebody does something, they go to jail. Right, that's the punishment. <laughs> jail was simply a place you hold somebody between the time you catch them and the time they have the trial and then the uh, verdict and then the carrying out of the verdict. The exception was political. When a, when a government or a king or whatever had somebody that they wanted to put on ice for, for political reasons, that's where you kept somebody in jail. Could be that somebody keep jail somebody for a month or a year or 10 years or 20 years or their whole life. That's because whoever was the ruler, the king, the queen, the, the, the pope, whoever, wanted them on ice for a long time, you understand, until they didn't. So you've had many cases where someone was in jail as a political figure, and then later on they come out of jail and they become the leaders, you understand, including Yosef. So um, when Yosef is thrown by Potiphar into jail, it's Makom Ashiri Asiri Amelch Asirim. It was a place where the king's uh, pr uh, uh, prisoners were locked up, meaning political prisoners. It wasn't a regular crime situation. That would be dealt by the lower courts, and the punishment would be administered, and then you'd go home if there was anything left of you. Now, the uh, Meshachalpa points out very interestingly that obviously if Potiphar sends Joseph to jail, then he didn't believe his own wife. Because if he would have believed her that Joseph made a pass at her, then he would have killed him. Hold him before Shem say it. So it's pretty clear that Potiphar was doing whatever he needed to do to hush this up. And um, what he called the Meshachachma points out is very interesting. And then me solitary confinement. So Potiphar puts him in jail. He's he's a big shot with Pharaoh. He's Rabbi Tabachim. And so he's got Paul. Maybe he had like in the French system, the letter de cachet that used to have under the old monarchy, the Bourbons, where you could just write a letter. Anybody, I could purchase the right to have somebody thrown in jail. But whatever the system was, he said he put him in a jail, which was Assyria Melch Asirim, which means solitary confinement. Why do you say solitary confinement? Because um, you don't, um, because s smart political prisoners, you don't want to bunch together because they can plot together. They share ideas. History is replete with cases where people were, you know, in jail for political reasons. They met other people and it became even worse. Matter of fact, a classic example, I am sorry to say, and you are sorry to hear, is Sinwar and these other Mamzerim that started their massacres, the Hamas massacres on Simchas Torah. They were in Israeli prisons. They took full advantage of it. Uh, they could read whatever they want. They talked to whoever they want. They plotted with others. And when they eventually got out, they carried out their plots. It goes on throughout history. Israel was stupid, but listen, you know, that's who we are. We're stupid. Really, really, really? It should be that every 
Hamas prisoner, which is a political prisoner for terrorism, should be in solitary confinement and don't talk to anybody else. But that costs a zillion dollars to even to do that. So whatever the case is, in Pharaoh's time, Zokta Meshachachma, Yosef was thrown into a solitary confinement. Clearly, right? Clearly, as uh, Mir Simcha says, uh, to hush up the scandal. It was a very embarrassing situation with Mrs. Potiphar. I've said in the past, and I say again, you can be sure Yosef was not the first pretty guy she took a pass at. That's who she was. Um, the way she talked, she me and all the rest of it. You know, he ain't the first, he ain't the last. Okay? That's that's what that's how life was. And so the most Potiphar could do was put him on ice. He could have killed him, but he realized that the guy was just a... Uh, uh, a victim in the wrong place, wrong time. It speaks well of Potiphar that he didn't kill him. But he said, put him in jail. He can't tell anybody. Right? That if Yosef would be in the jail and talk to other people and tell them about the the incident with Potiphar, you could tell he's telling the truth. You understand? I mean, you can always say like this, they won't believe Yosef. By the time he finished telling the story, and I'll tell you again, I'm sure he wasn't the first guy. People knew that she that, that she's the one who made a pass at him, okay, not the other way around. Uh, and Potiphar knew the facts and was trying to cover up a scandal. Now here's the interesting part, because everything I'm telling you was sort of preparatory to today's parsha, where Joseph rises from jail to become the prime minister. Uh, look at Dashkacha Pratis. He ends up in Egypt. He's purchased by Potiphar. He ends up with this scandal with Mrs. Potiphar. They throw him in a jail and put him in solitary confinement because they're afraid he'll he'll blab. Okay? He'll blab. But you know and I know, now this is me talking, not the Meshachachma. You know and I know that eventually... The head of the prison appoints Joseph to a high responsible position. That's how he interacts with the butler and the baker. Right? You know, Yosef ended up running the place. Running the place. So what does that tell you? Within a short time it became clear that Yosef knew how to keep his big fat mouth shut. He's not going to tell anybody about what happened. So people say, why are you in jail? No reason, it's private, it's not your business, right? You could, that was the smartest thing he could do because by not talking, it showed that he could be trusted to be put outside of the solitary confinement and he was wise enough not to uh, take advantage of the opportunities that was presented to him to be free and he remained discreet, you understand? He remained discreet. No, you didn't learn about Aisha's Patif from Yosef. You and I learned it from the Chumash. <laughs> yeah? Yosef wouldn't tell. That's very interesting in terms of the character development that I was talking about in the last weeks. We see the character development of Yosef. He started out with a big fat mouth, a blabber mouth. That's what the Chumash tells you, Hunar. He caused himself all the trouble by going around and telling the brothers, I have dreams that you're going to bow down to me, which freaked him out, and understandably so. If you had this dream and you know it puts you above the others and you know it's going to be resented, why do you tell him? Even the father, Yaakov, said, 
Avon, Avon, Ani, Bimcha, Vichach, Lishtach, Lutzel, Artsah. Right? But he didn't chat because he was 17 years old. When you're 17, you're dumb. That's what that means. 17, you're dumb. You have to learn in life. And the story of Yosef was so fascinating on a human being level is indeed the fact that he learns the hard way the lessons in life. So when he was thrown by the brothers into the pit, right, and then sold to the Arabs and eventually to Egypt, a young guy like him who was very smart, man, Ben Zakunim says he was Ben Chochm or something, right? He's probably asking himself, why did they try to kill me? Why did they throw me into this? Why did they do that? Now, Yosef, it, it's such an interesting story in so many levels. I can't do justice to it in a podcast, but just take a little whack. Yosef, when he's thrown into the pit, and then he's sold into slavery, had to have several thoughts in his mind. One of them was, uh, I made a mistake by shooting my mouth off. From now on, I have to learn, you know, how to keep my trap shut. And he does. Because he doesn't tell on Potiphar's wife, that's his road to success. He ends up circulating throughout the jail. Right? Meets the butler and the baker, which eventually gets him into Pharaoh's court as prime minister. I would also say that if you go by Chazal, he's thrown into a pit in which Mayim Einbo, Avonashim Bakrav Miyeshbo, as we all know. It was full of snakes and scorpions. And yet he wasn't killed. So that's a miracle. So what does that show you? I have a destiny. I have Ashkacha Pratis here. That is not normal to be in a, in, in, in a pit with snakes and scorpions, and nothing happens to you. You understand? So Yosef was under a whole bunch of competing uh, messages and sensations. It's such an interesting story. On one hand, he knows he has his destiny before him, because the snakes and scorpions didn't kill him. On the other hand, he learned that, uh, you know, keep your mouth, think before you talk. Right? Better yet, don't talk. And so he keeps his mouth quiet, He's able to uh, gain the favor of the Sarbe Sassar. And it also had to be run by Potiphar, I'm sure it is. And they said, the guys keep his mouth shut. In that case, you can keep him in jail. They can certainly with the other prisoners. So now, I just told you before, who was in the jail? Political prisoners. What's the political prisoners? People that Pharaoh was angry at. Big shots in the government. The Secretary of State, the Secretary of this, the Minister of that. That, that, that's the upshot, you know. Now, you can, realizing Joseph does, as I told you before, that he's destined for something because the snakes and scorpions did not kill him. And he sees himself now, given the freedom in the jail to circulate, he basically says like this, now I'm getting a college education in jail. He's seeing and interacting with all the officials of Egypt. Now, he wasn't Egyptian. It's a completely different world. But he learns in those two years, my friends, or three years, however long it was, he learns in those years, uh, like a PhD education, and how, first of all, how does Egyptians think and act, their language, and how the government operates. Because they'll tell a guy, why are you here? Or you hear somebody telling somebody else, why are you here? Well, I was in the Treasury Department, and, you know, there's too much inflation, and therefore Pharaoh, you know, fired me. Or, I don't know, something like that, Right? Where I was involved with defense contracts and this and this happened. Or I was involved in building roads, building roads, and you know that happened. You get what I'm saying? 
by listening to conversations and maybe keeping your mouth quiet uh, strategically. Sorry about that. The uh, but interacting with all these other people, he learned how to go, how a, a, a completely foreign society runs from the inside, from the top, by meeting all the big shots. You get it? And of course, and I'll say it again: realizing he has a destiny ahead of him because he wasn't killed by the snakes and scorpions, and realizing if you keep your mouth shut, you listen, you pick up information more than you tell. You get it? So um, the result is that he uh, is going to be ready for for action when Pharaoh calls him. Now, it gets even better than that, right? gets even better than that. And again, here, uh, let me see, where is it? Yeah. the Again, Meshachachon. He interacts, as you know, with the butler and the baker. No, I, I, I actually said that wrong. He interacts with the Sar Hamashkin and the Sar Hofim, which usually we understand as Rashi and the Chazal do, that was Pharaoh's baker and Pharaoh's butler. And Pharaoh was angry at him because what he, I think he found a fly in the wine or something like that. But that's that's one, of course, obviously, that's one way of reading it. Here's another way from the Meshach Chachma. The Sar Hamashkin Sar Hofim was the secretary of food supplies and secretary of drink supplies. Meaning, it's like we would call today uh, the Ministry of Supply or Food, the FDA, uh, Department of the Interior. Nira, I'm reading here. Nira minashamayim haya shayyamim im sar hamashkin bofim. Lil mod taksisi malchus. You hear that? They interacted with the sar hamashkin sar ofim, the guy in charge of this section of the economy. And that section of the economy, the Amashkim and the, and the Ofim. And he learned all the secrets of administration that's necessary for a government, uh, which is interesting. And that's why uh, the dream happened th- only three days beforehand. Okay. Uh, these guys were in charge of the food supply and the drink supply and the taxes that were administered on them. In other words, Yosef, when he was talking with these guys over three days, uh, he was discussing with them their job. And he's picking it up. He's soaking it up like a sponge. How does the... Uh, Customs work over here, the customs collection. What's the system of taxation? Is it by land? Is it per capita? Is it a flat tax? Is it a progressive tax? What does Pharaoh charge for the wheat? How do the farmers, who were free farmers at that time, still free, you know, how do they determine what the crops are? My point is like this. So when we get to our Parsha, Nikates, and Pharaoh has this dream, Yosef already knows everything about Egypt. He like read the Britannic on it. Not only that, but he's highly sensitive to the food supply, which is what it turns out the dream was all about. Right? I mean, by, by talking to the Sar Ha'ofim, he was talking about the guy in charge of baking all over the country, meaning the bread supply, which has to do with the wheat. So Yosef already knew about the 46 provinces of Egypt, the Nomes, and he knew about the role of the Nile River in the Egyptian economy. And he, he got all this in jail. You understand? Uh, now, when the Chazal say 
he waited an extra two years, probably he would, after his interaction with the Saramashkin, Sarofim, he was ready to jump in. But he didn't. And so the extra two years, I would say, um, gave him time to reflect upon everything we're talking about. And maybe to check his facts with other prisoners. I mean, what did he do for those two years? I'm asking you. You can see, by the time we're talking about Leosi was a smart cookie, and he realizes that prison can be a wonderful learning place. It can be. Okay? And I'm sure that with his sense of destiny, he must have talked to other prisoners, uh, all of whom were big shots. It was Makoma Shehasirim El Chasurim, and ran by them with the Saramashkim, said with the Sarofim, and maybe talked about whether Egypt has had famines or not in the past. I mean, you know, these kind of things happen from time to time. And uh, speaking with them with the principles of supply, this is why he turns out to be a brilliant administrator later on. I mean, how did the guy go from being a shepherd to being in jail to being viceroy and then organizing the whole country to collect the food over the seven years and all the rest of it? As you know, like, what's the shot? How did that happen? Right? So Tom, you say like this. As a Jewish boy, he's very smart. <laughs> That's possible. But I like the better with the way the Mayor Simcha puts it over here, which is he had a very good school of learning. You understand? And so when he comes to Paro, not only does he interpret the dream, but based on his knowledge of the book, the Saramashim and Sarofim, he has a plan. This is what people are looking for when you have a problem. You know, saying If you work for an employer or anything like this, it's one thing to say, it's one thing to say, here's here's a problem. And that is important to call a problem into view. Otherwise, it can hurt the company, it can hurt the country, whatever it is. No question about that. But what's even more important, if you can, is to say, here's a problem and here's the solution. Here's a problem and here's the solution. Right? And it really is the solution. Then that's very chashev. Agree? Because not only did you, you know, bring something up, but you also had a way to fix it. Um, that was the hit, you know, that's the special thing of Yosef. Because he wasn't told, as you and I know, what's the solution for the dream. He was only told to interpret the dream, which he did. But he was smart enough to say, here's the problem, and I got the solution. I want to propose, at least, suggest the solution. And Pharaoh said, wow, Hanimsa Kaze Isha Shuruch Himbo. Ruch Elohim can mean the Spirit of God is in him. Or Ruch Elohim, as they always say, can mean such a powerful Ruch. That is to say like this. He not only has the problem, but he also has the solution. Ruch Elohimbo. And Pyro realizes, now again, here you have the Meshachach, which I thought was really cute. Uh, just having to look at it in Shul, and my attention was drawn to it. Uh, and again, the wonderful reading of the Hebrew language. Because we know Paro, correctly so, says, I'm making you Prime Minister of Egypt, and you're going to run the show. Not only Prime Minister, I mean, your mom is going to run the show. Only the throne I have above you. Which the regular interpretation is, um, you know, you won't be king. You'll be everything but king, but I'm above you. In other words, you'll have supreme power, but I can fire you. That's what it boils down to. I'm still Pharaoh. And being that he was a foreigner, that's part of the story, Pharaoh felt comfortable with that because as a foreigner, Yosef could never 
know, be a threat to Paro. Ki lo yuchlu hamitzrim lechol zibrim lechem. That's why the Torah throws that in there. Um, to tell you that Joseph's power was secure precisely because he was not secure. This is again very often the case of Jews or others in history who are minorities who are brought in because they can't take over. Except in the most unusual circumstances. Right? I mean, Napoleon did eventually take over France and Stalin did take over Russia even though one was not French and the other was not Russian. But it's extremely, extremely unusual. Right? Extremely unusual set of circumstances. Uh, Yosef was... Uh, and they... Napoleon tried to live his life to be more French than the French and Stalin tried to be more Russian than the Russian if you know that Yosef did not do that right the way the story comes across to us uh, Yosef did not switch his religion and he didn't change his identity so he's in power as a foreigner which means he has no threat to Pharaoh the throne I'll have above you but here's a wonderful way of reading it also from the Meshach Chachma. Pharaoh hears Joseph's plan that there's going to be a terrible famine and the food has to be gathered beforehand. But there's all kinds of ways of gathering the food beforehand. He could have told the farmer, I mean, this is me talking. He could have told the farmers, listen, you got some bad crops coming down the line, so bury a bunch of grain. You know what I mean? You guys store it. I mean, it's your life. Get what I'm saying? I'm Pharaoh. I'm telling you, in a couple of years, there's going to be a famine. So if you don't want your family to starve, put stuff in your basement or wherever, you know, or in a silo. You know what I mean? Against a rainy day. They would do it because it's their lives. And if they don't, then they'll die. That's probably the way it goes in most countries. Uh, instead, Yosef said, no, get all the food for Pharaoh. Right? Collect the food from all over the country and put it under central control. I'll be the Sarha Ha'ofim and Sarhamashkin. And what's the result? Not only will the country not starve, but you'll have this, the radical centralization of power and the um, expansion of the royal authority till Pharaoh becomes like a dictator. Which you and I know the story at the end of Aigash that that's what happens, right? Because at the end, the people, because they're starving for food, sell their land to Pharaoh, become his serfs, his, his slaves. <laughs> Remember that? That's coming next week. Um, now, wait a minute. Why don't they say like this? Why are we becoming your slaves? What The grain you took was our grain. Right? So it knows you should give it back to us. But they don't do that. Because by that time, Pharaoh has, has, has uh, Yosef, in other words, has assembled all the grain in, in these silos and I'm sure surrounded with armed guards. And the bottom line is, if you want to get the food, you gotta you got to play ball with Paro. And so the result is that the people give in hachi sonu. So not only does Yosef have a, offer Paro in this week's parsha a plan to survive the famine, which is amazing, but he says you can turn crisis into opportunity. Paro, you know you you can turn crushed lemons into lemonade. You understand? Uh, you, you, you can do like that. How? I'm offering you a suggestion, a plan, which I'm willing to execute to increase the royal power. By the time this famine stuff is over, you'll be stronger than you ever were before. 
And Paro, of course, likes that idea. And therefore, he says, you know, uh, I'm putting you in charge of Eretz Mitzrayim. But I want the royal throne to be enhanced from you as a result of your efforts. No, it's I want your plans to result in me being more powerful than before. That works in Hebrew. Isn't that wonderful? I think that's a great um, interpretation. Let me see here. Where is it? He has in here... Uh, second. Here you go. As a result of Joseph's plan... The Memshola, that is to say, Pharaoh's government will be strengthened. And he'll become more enhanced in the power in, in the sight of the masses, etc., etc., etc. And he says, uh, Where's me? From you through your program, Joseph, which make me even greater and like a god in the eyes of the people. In other words, enhance the royal dictatorship. And Joseph does that, which has happened sometimes in Jewish history. You used to have the Hofjuden, the court Jews, they made themselves of service to the European monarchs and enhanced the central power of the, of the monarch. Uh, and that's how they were, were able to stay in power or, or, or success, whatever they did. Of course, the people who suffered were the non-monarchs, the nobles, the peasants, and the others. The argument being, in the long run, it was good for everybody because when you have a, a centralized, organized state, you eventually have more law and order. That's a whole separate discussion by itself. So you see, this Parsha is so interesting in the fact that not only does it tell you you know, the adventures of Joseph, which is a, a, a tale of Hashkocha Pratis, but it tells you in hinting ways and sometimes direct ways how Yosef learned life lessons and he also was able to utilize whatever opportunities presented themselves to take maximum advantage of it. That's the idea of the, of the stay in jail, teaching him the rules of Egypt. When he emerges out of the pit and stands before Paro, he knows Egyptian, he knows how to stand, he knows what to say, he knows how to be properly obedient, at the same time he knows how to offer suggestions. I mean, he knows the shtick of the Egyptian court. I mean, where'd he pick that up from? He's just a Jewish guy. Where'd he pick that up from? Picked it up from his special college called jail. So, I think Yossi must have been... Um, uh, inspired in this direction by contemplation of the fact that he had a great uh, future ahead of him since he wasn't killed by the Nechashim by the snakes and the scorpions. Uh, the story gets even more complicated next week, but we'll take it then. So again, I want to thank the Levithals for sponsoring today and uh, the, the, the Parsha as they're doing this week. And I wish everybody a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.